There's never been a better time to be alive. And whatever the metrics you choose, the world is on its all-time high. So why living seems sometimes so hard? Here I ask people in the forefront of building the future their reasons to be optimistic and the challenges they see ahead. I'm Mauro Rebelo, biotech scientist and entrepreneur, and this is the All-Time High Podcast. Tiago Alvarez is a fintech entrepreneur. He created Guia Bolso, an ecosystem disruptive startup that led to the adoption of open banking in Brazil. In this episode, we talk about decentralizing information, how to reduce inequality through entrepreneurship, and the role of regulators to foster innovation. I really enjoyed talking to Tiago, and I hope you will enjoy the conversation too. Hello, Tiago. Thank you so much for doing this. It's going to be one of those uh, um, curious episodes where two Brazilians that speak Portuguese will talk in English. But let's start. Um, let me start asking you where you were born, where you are right now, and maybe some anecdote story connecting the two places. It's great. Uh, but Mauro, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Uh, speaking in English, it will slow us down, but, but hopefully it will still be interesting, <laughs> the entire conversation. Yes. Uh, so so I'm, I'm originally from Brasilia, right? The capital of Brazil. Uh, and right now I'm in Sao Paulo. So I've, I've been working in Sao Paulo for almost, almost 20 years now. Um, so I've, I've, uh, I was born in Brasilia. I studied there. Uh, my mother was uh, a university professor there in Brasilia. Uh, my father, a public servant, um, although they were originally from Rio de Janeiro. Uh, so okay, all my vacations and all that were spent in either Rio or uh, Vitória in Espírito Santo, where, where part of my mother's family is from. Uh, well, I, I'm in Sao Paulo because it's it's the business capital of Brazil, right? So, it, it's, it's, in in some ways, I was I was born in the political capital, and and then I migrated to the business capital of Brazil. Um, and and uh, I, I think living there in in Brasilia, uh, my mother university professor, but it's a public university, right? Uh, my father, a public servant. Uh, you're always kind of involved somehow in, in 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 not in politics but in policy, in public policy, thinking about government, how everything works, how you can actually improve the lives of, of people. Um, so actually, my first job uh, out of university was working with uh, Ruti Cardoso, the former uh, wife of the late wife, actually of, of uh, President Fernando Henrique Cardoso in the uh, NGO, which was actually part of the social program of, of uh, Fernando Henrique Cardoso, which was a literacy program called uh, Alfabetização Solidária, translated to, 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 to English, kind of like solidarity uh, in literacy. literacy yeah. um, so I was always like interested in having kind of like impact in people's lives. Uh, but 
kind of towards the end there, um, uh, I was I was seeing that if you want to have like real impact in people's lives, there is a direct way, like through literacy, but there is an indirect way, but which is also very very big, which is through the private sector. Uh, and improving private sector, improving the, the economy. So I went actually to work at McKinsey. Uh, so I worked there uh, kind of five years at McKinsey. Uh, and then uh, I founded uh, uh, Guia Bolso, which is was the largest uh, uh, personal finance uh, management platform in Brazil. Um, and and it, since then, I've been always working uh from from Sao Paulo, uh, which is, if you think about how how you again how you want to impact and develop uh, Brazil, I think the the economy and the private sector uh, are certainly kind of the the way to to go forward there. Well, Thiago, I'm somehow interested in the and how the the place where you choose to live and work. And impact or is impacted by the the professional choice that you make in, in a way that does it make easier or is it harder to do what you want to do being where you were or where you are so it's from what you said yeah. uh, moving to Sao Paulo it was like less of an option and more of a, a, a requirement right if you yeah. want to do um, and what you wanted to do and so do you do you see this uh, how can i say it? is it a, is it a good a bad thing or uh, it's it's a fact of life that some places become hubs and they attract people and and maybe that's the way it it should be and of course sao paulo is is a hub uh, in Brazil. Do you have thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, no, I I, I do have some some thoughts, and, and it's interesting because we're we're still in the pandemic, right? So it's it's interesting how like you you had to be in São Paulo, but now it depends on on, on the, the sector. You actually don't need to be here anymore, right? Because you can work remotely, uh, and. Uh, for a while, I was actually thinking that Sao Paulo and the way the everything was drawn towards Sao Paulo is creating kind of a black hole where everything was drawn here. You, you would see other cities not developing as well. Um, and I actually, so when we created Giaboso, a startup, we wanted to create in, in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, but like the investors wouldn't take it seriously if we were there. We wouldn't be uh, having the meetings because you were supposed to be present. Uh, so it, it, somehow uh, it was kind of the requirement to be in Sao Paulo because everything is in Sao Paulo. And since everything is in Sao Paulo, everything is built in Sao Paulo. Black hole metaphor is great. <laughs> exactly. So it, it's, it's, it's not a virtuous circle if you think about Brazil. It's... <laughs> Uh, it's it's quite the opposite. Uh, but now with the pandemic, I, I think there is a chance that things will will kind of uh, uh, change. Uh, 
uh, and and we'll see other cities, uh, uh, the countryside developing much more, uh, and through good jobs, high-paying jobs like the tech sector. So uh, we have like plenty of developers. There are like these tiny, tiny, small cities like in the middle of northeast of Brazil, and 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 it's interesting because in a way they, they kind of can create a, a small ecosystem of developers there. Each one of them, if they, they want to, they can help those regions and be like seeds uh, of, of technology, uh, of the technology sector is spreading around them. So I, and hopefully that's, that's what's going to happen. Yes. So like I'm very interested in this uh, centralized, decentralized aspect. Like maybe because I'm, I'm so interested uh, in blockchains recently. So the idea of centralized uh, versus decentralized networks and how this play a role in the physical world, right? With, with yeah. cities. Because yes, it's great to have a, a centralized place like Sao Paulo, but it comes at a cost, right? To yeah. you know, move around Sao Paulo is terrible. The, the quality of the air in Sao Paulo is terrible. So a lot of good things, but uh, at, a, at a high price. That's right. In That's other right. aspects. So Thiago, you you so you came from this uh, um, let's say family background of uh, people devoted to the to the public sector. You chose to impact the world in the private sector. But how do you see the world today? Like, is it a better world than it was before? Is it worse? Do you think it's getting better over time, or it's uh, uh, or it's getting worse? Uh, I have no doubt that, like, if you look objectively, the world's much better. I, I have no doubt about that, right? If you look at like, poverty-wise, health-wise, even even we're in a pandemic. But imagine if we were in a pandemic, like, like, right? Yeah, hundred years ago. We're much better. Um, but now we have much more visibility about the bad things and the and the things that are not working. I think that's that's uh, well, a lot of things that used to be hidden now are in your face. Uh, so the inequality is more more I think it's more aggressive somehow because it's it's right there. You can look you if you're swiping your phone you you see a lot of uh, bad stories. So there's a lot of information coming at you which wasn't the case uh back then um and and i think there's a lot of misinformation as well right so you have uh, plenty of access of for information but misinformation um and so not, once uh, not, go ahead go ahead i i saw this a washington saying like if you read the newspaper if you don't read the newspaper you are uninformed if you read the newspaper, you are missing form. So, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, and Mauro, you, you mentioned centralized versus decentralized. Before we had access to information, but it was centralized information. Um, so, think about media, right? Oh, like I'm yes. watching TV. Yeah, it's it's like you have five channels, uh, five channels, 
selecting what you're going to see, what what's the angle of the news. You have like three or four newspapers, very centralized. Now you have decentralized uh, information. Um, so it's 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 different. But if again, if you think about like the percentages, right? Because it's not it's never black or white. It's all about the percentage. For for me, like life is about percentages, not about binary, right? It's it's it, if if you think about uh, um, the the health again, health index, poverty index. If you think about people having uh, misinformation, well. Probably the percentage of people that were uninformed was much higher. Now you have people, m more people being informed. Uh, um, some some of them uh, being misinformed. But it, is it worse than it used to be? I don't think so. And at the same time, or everybody was having access to only centralized information. Where now, if you, I don't know, if I, like, I'm, I'm. Uh, completely addicted to YouTube. <laughs> I've, I've erased all the, the other social apps because uh, I'm a highly addictive person. Wow. <laughs> but YouTube, YouTube got me. And that's because you have access to like long uh, content, like in-depth content. So like there are like incredible YouTube channels, like science YouTube channels, like music YouTube channels which you would never have access to that information before when, when the, you had the centralized media system. Um, so I think we're in a much better situation. Now. I agree with you. Um, but when you look forward, what would be the challenges that, um, that you see for us to keep getting better? Yeah. Uh, so, so... Well, there, there are many, many challenges. I think one is inequality. Uh, uh, I think inequality is getting worse. So, so everybody is getting better somehow, but the 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 the, the gap yeah. is was widening. So, so you have less people uh, in a poor position, but you have much higher, uh, uh, much more people being very uh, rich. So, it's it's. This this gap, uh, income gap, is is kind of worries me. Um, but at the same time, that that means that there is um, there is wealth being created. So it's how you can actually distribute that wealth uh, somehow. So that's it's how you create that mechanism where you you keep the incentives of being an entrepreneur and things like that, right? So you do, you don't want to do anything. Uh, that that disincentivizes uh, someone to be an entrepreneur. Oh, if I'm successful, then um, all my money or a lot, a, a huge percentage of it will be distributed. So why am I going to take the risk of actually creating a company uh, in Brazil specifically? Um, being worried if I'm if I'm going to uh, be in debt after if the company doesn't doesn't succeed uh so it's it's you you you, you need to create the the right incentive so i think inequality is one um uh, i think that there is the the second one which is for for me is the the personal connection uh which i i think we are much we are more and more connected to to our gadgets 
and less and less connected to people around us. Uh, and that's because it's highly addictive, right? So um, phones, smartphones, and and it's not that those technologies will get less addictive. They're, they'll be more and more and more addictive. So I think um, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of concerned on, around that. And of course, the implications of that, if you, if you have a decentralized, uh, although you have decentralized information, you still have a centralized algorithm, for example, that selects kind of the things that you're going to um, watch and all that. It can be biased or not. We, we are not sure because the, those are algorithms are not open. Um, so I think those those two main things I would I would put as uh, so one is 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 around the the gap of inequality and the second one is is personal connection versus addictive behavior towards technology. Yes, that well, two very interesting topics, right? I, I remember reading in Piketty's Capital in the 21st century how you know like the a lot of proposals on how to distribute wealth but he's saying that uh, entrepreneurship is the best way of creating new wealth and thus distributing it so we i fully agree with you have to keep incentivizing people to start up and to create wealth out of out of nowhere, right? The, again, the possibilities to create new new wealth, or how they say, new money with this, even with these challenges that we are facing ahead, so many opportunities. Yeah, right? and, and, and the, maybe and maybe the the remote work, just building on that, maybe the remote work can help uh, distribute that. Again, like I mentioned, right? Uh, uh, we have several developers are in, in now spread across Brazil in in smaller we regions. We can't even say that technology in general, right? Because you reduce the need for infrastructure. Right? And and then you you actually create the the, the you, you the opportunities you end creating more opportunities because the barrier of entrance is reduced as you know, like you need a pair of one phone and you can start producing content and, and doing a lot of stuff as long as you have internet. So the great barrier now maybe could be internet access and and but even this is uh, has improved a lot over the the last year. I never heard someone talking about the challenge of the personal connections. And you know, being a biologist, I know that our we are in this. Um, we have evolved our minds in in a hundred thousand years, but the our brain brain chemistry is much much older than that. So I don't think it can really adapt in our lifetime. No. We are still so dependent on dopamine shots and you know serotonin and endorphin and these algorithms they learn it how to to supply us with this endless uh, um, supply this endless supply of 
of those dopamine shots, if we can go back to get our dopamine shots from personal connections, it, it's a very interesting question. Uh, even though, like, I think those companies are also with predatory business models, right? And, and they are playing with our addiction to these dopamine shots. Maybe some incentive distribution. If you change the, the incentives there, we can get some control out of that. Can, yeah. can get back some control. Yeah, yeah. I think there are different theories that I've been hearing. Uh, uh, so, so there, there is one Stanford professor that was suggesting that you can that. Uh, you should be able to create kind of a algorithm marketplace where you choose kind of like the type of algorithm and everybody can like build um, different algorithms uh, to, to, to uh, filter out your feeds in different ways and that should be decentralized uh, development. So I think there are different ways to try to solve those things. Um, but but uh, uh, the idea of of having so much power um, in, in just a few companies is 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 and like so much information being being filtered out there. It's it's I think it's an issue that uh, we'll have to deal with it. Not now, but but certainly. So so you you mentioned these two big challenges inequality and um, and personal connections and knowing uh, that you created this um, this company that helped people manage their wealth if I can say like this or you know because in the end managing, their uh, their money uh, helping them to to manage their personal budgets their family budgets it's in a way measuring uh, helping them dealing with their uh, with their wealth how do you how do you see the your role and and this professional choice that you made that in my opinion tackle and not even so indirectly right very directly these these two topics of inequality and and but because you do it in a digital way with you know using apps using technology you you can connect uh, uh, you can help people maybe navigate through the chaos of information that uh, um, that they are Im immersed on. Yeah, yeah. No, it, so it, it definitely like th those things are are tied, right? So when we created Gab, also back then, the, the idea was like, how how can we combine like an interesting business model, an interesting um, um, economic model with helping people, um, and how can we actually improve the lives of, of Brazilians? So so. And, and the idea was quite simple. It was like if if, if uh, well, people have to deal with money all the time, 
there, there are a lot of uh, behavioral challenges when you deal with money, like and, and cognitive and, and psychological challenges when you deal with money. So how, how can we kind of organize and kind of unbias a lot of the decisions uh, that people make around money? Uh, so that, that was kind of like the background when we created Guia Bolso. Uh, it evolved to, to like many, many, many things uh, in, in, along the way. And, the, and it was very clear to us that if we were to create that, that was in 2012 when we created Gable. So if, if we were to create a company uh, that wanted to scale, it had to be digitally. There was no way um, of creating like a traditional brick and mortar company uh, back then. It, 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 it would be, it would end up as looking like a bank and, and, trying to compete with the bank in, a, in the traditional sense, uh, which we knew it was was very hard. So the idea was let's create something that will help consumers, we'll use digital to scale, um, and, and, um, and, and that will tie uh, improving the lives of people with, with uh, an interesting business model. In the end, we were uh, successful in many, many different ways in scaling the company, in creating impact. Uh, in the end, we, we were even more successful than we thought uh, in, around transforming the financial ecosystem here in Brazil because of the open banking. Because in the end, what we built in Brazil, it was open banking, although there was no name for that. <laughs> and, 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 and Mauro, as a, as a scientist, you, 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 you probably know that, right? If you can't name something, it's, it's, it almost doesn't exist, right? So we, we didn't have a name for what we were creating. Yeah, there it wasn't makes the communication much more challenging. Yes, yes, yes. And, and we, we faced many, many challenges. In the end, the regulator came in, decided to regulate what we were doing uh, and, and created this infrastructure towards the, uh, towards the ecosystem and where I, you have great APIs. And I, can see it, and I can see the smile on your face, you know, like being proud of... of now you created something that has a name. Wow, open banking. Yeah, that's 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 right. That's right. But it, it was it was a ride. It was a roller coaster ride because uh, getting to that point was very hard. There, there were many points where we thought we were going to be shut down, either by the government or either by by other banks. Yes. Uh, and it got it got dangerous. It got got close to that situation because we were sued by one of the largest banks here in Brazil. Um, then the government kind of intervened and and helped us helped us uh, navigate through that. But in the end, regulated, which also kind of took off some of the edge of what we were creating. Uh, How, I, go, go ahead. With, with your ex, with this experience in particular, so like we are living in a world where there's a lot of financial innovation, right? A lot, and and this is uh, very exciting for me 
I used to be one of those people that thought that uh, money was something boring. It, we needed to deal with it. Yes, we want more of it. We have to deal with it. But it was something boring. And um, But I started to see money as this battery of... You know energy and time and it started to be more valuable to me more than just the you know uh, uh of a means of of transaction then i got much more interested uh, uh in money and and i because of that i dived into it and i started to see how it impacts our life right not in again in the boring transaction uh, uh um uh, things that daily daily things, but as this concept of storing your time and your energy and defining through opportunity cost what are your choices and and in the end uh, uh, having a, a great impact uh, on your life. But it's highly regulated and and it has uh, a lot of political uh, um, angles. It's politicized. Maybe that's the right word. Money is politicized, and there is there are a lot of attempts to make money uh, unpolit so unpoliticized money. So to to have money that is not uh, politically connected, and then you bring all the uh, all the challenges of regulation and everything. A lot of people. That it's saying it's you cannot trust governments when it comes to your money, and so all these uh, uh, different angles emerging right now because of all this innovation in 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 finance. So having participated in in this process of creating something new, being attacked by the the mainstream or the legacy. Uh, uh, technology and having the government to come and somehow uh, uh, help you formalize and then regulating. How how do you see this uh, having a role in this better future? Yeah, no so, governments so, and regulation. Maybe the between governments and regulation and competition with legacy. How does uh, uh, how does this contribute to to the future? Yeah, no. So, so, so there are many, many things there, right, uh, Mauro? Like, like you mentioned, and and there are even, even like other ways of thinking about money. Money is 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 amazing. So, one other way, just adding to your point of of uh, money being a way to store uh, time, work, energy. It's also it's a vo also a voting mechanism, right? You vote with your wallet. Uh, so, what should continue? What should shouldn't continue? What what should grow? What shouldn't grow? You're voting with your wallet as well. So, so money is, is also uh, a voting mechanism. Uh, I, I, and and the the way it is, it's 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 also part of the government and part of the state responsibility, of course, of controlling the supply of money, how, how, uh, and, and it's also trust, right? It requires trust. It's always, it's, if it, in the end, it's, it's paper, uh, or, or bits and bytes, but it. That and, represents trust. 
that it represents trust because without trust you it's it's worthless right uh, if i don't think that that paper um has any value yeah i'm, I'm not going to make a transaction and hold that money um so so it represents a lot of things so uh but uh given that there is also the side of like the ecosystem around it right uh and and there are many things that that you learn uh when you're dealing with with the financial system in general one is um it, it has many impacts so you you have to deal deal with it with being very careful um yeah an entire economy depends on the financial systems right so if Again, if one bank, we, we know all that, right? But if one bank fails, the cascade effect. The, the, yeah. So, so you, you have to be very careful. Uh, so that's that's one thing that you have to always be be mindful about it. The second thing is, you're talking about big banks usually, right? You're talking about a lot of money uh, involved and a lot of power as well. Uh, so those things are intertwined and 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 they go hand with go in, hand in hand. Uh, so if you want to make changes there, there is innovation, uh, but one way is also through regulation. Is 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 uh, the government? How how will the government react here? Um, uh, and the government can actually do nothing and let innovation uh, happen. Uh, as 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 uh, very naturally, uh, but but the government may want to change kind of like infrastructure or the, even the pipes. So what's happening here in Brazil, for example, is that the central bank looked at the ecosystem and said, "Oh, we would like to see more competition," uh, but. Is is are, are the pipes and the current regulation um, good and conductive towards more competition? And the reality it, it, that it wasn't right because you had like for example you had Citibank, you had HSBC coming here, big banks, international banks coming here in Brazil trying to compete, and they weren't able to compete because. You had old pipes. You needed um, a physical distribution uh, network through branches. Very old, old school. And what the central banks looked at was like we had to change the pipe. We have to change the pipes, uh, and we have to to foster a different type of player in innovation, which is tech, tech enabled, digital. So leaner players that are will able to scale faster, will able to um, compete uh, in a very efficient way. Uh, but the current pipes are not are not won't work for them. So making payments is expensive. Money transfers are expensive. Withdrawing money is expensive. Uh, exchanging data is actually almost impossible. Uh, we were the only ones doing it, uh, but they decided to create open banking, which which is which kind of like enables the the pipes for 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 the data to flow. How you can actually uh, do portability of different products. Uh, 
So the the agenda of the central bank here in Brazil was was very interesting, which was let's let's think about uh, a new financial system with new pipes, um, with a new payment infrastructure, with a new data sharing infrastructure, with a different way to withdraw money. Um, so it's it's it, it was interesting to look and 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 be part of that process as well and and uh, be very close actually to to the regulator while they were thinking and actually implementing those different policies as well interesting um tiago before i let you go i have three questions that um, i ask everyone trying to Okay, so like they are rapid fire, you can do just yes or no, but you can elaborate also if you want. First, it's very simple. Which book you are reading right now? So it's Escravidão, uh, the Laurentino Gomes, like slavery, right? The, yes, the story of the slavery. It's, 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 uh, it's an in-depth story about slavery in Brazil. It, it covers... Uh, kind of the world as well, but it's it's an interesting read and product uh, and, and provocative read as well. Yes. The second is: Do you take long or short lunch breaks? <laughs> Very short. <laughs> I actually work here. Uh, I actually lunch here while working, which is not not a good practice. Not not good practice. Yes. And the third one. Um, Bitcoin, are you a believer or a non-believer? Uh, that's that's a difficult one. I would say I'm a, a believer in, in, in cryptocurrency. Uh, Do you own any Bitcoin or yeah. any cryptocurrency? I don't. You answer already. Thank you. I, I, I own, I own, and I, it's more, I own energy efficient uh, uh, cryptocurrency. So that's that's kind of my my current bet. Okay. Okay, that's it then, my friends. Thank you so much for doing this. We have to do it again some other time. That's that's right, and and with with a glass of wine as well. Yes. <laughs>